today on Anchored in the Word. So it says, put on the breastplate, faith and love. And then he says, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. The world has no hope. Do you understand that? There's no hope. This idea of, you know, some people hope in just getting wealthy, okay? I want to live the American dream to the extreme and I want to just get wealthy and I can buy everything I want and, you know, whatever else, freeze my remains when I die. Whatever you would think that you could buy with money. But they're finding out that that's going away quickly. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. You know the saying about how hindsight is 2020? If you've experienced salvation, you know exactly how this phrase applies to life. As Pastor Bill reminds us today, before you are saved, you might have thought your life was fine. Now you know better. We'll be challenged by this teaching to go beyond salvation and put on the characteristics of Jesus. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. When you least expect it, you know, you're you're sleeping and they come in. And you don't know when they're coming unless you could stay awake and wait for them, right? That's the whole thing of being a thief. You know, being one of these cat burglars, they come when you least expect it in the middle of the night. And they wouldn't be successful if you were expecting them. They catch you off guard. Now he says there in verse 2, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now, I want you to see that he's talking about two different kinds of people in this passage. He's talking about the believer and the non-believer. He's going to mention you, talking to the, uh, the people in the church there, and he's going to say them. You know, when he talks about people that don't know the Lord, because the people that don't know the Lord, it's just going to be just like that. Just in the days of Noah. Noah preached for 120 years. Nobody believed him. started raining. And they apparently didn't catch on until it was way too late. The ark was closed. They were too busy. They were caught up in the things of the world, and then it was too late for them. Well, that's going to be the case for a lot of people, the non-believers. But look what he says regarding this. He says, back up, the times and the seasons. Here's the thing. The Bible declares this about these, the rapture, which begins the day of the Lord, which starts the day of the Lord. We can't know when that's going to happen. We don't know the day of the hour. I know people have tried to predict it, and the last big guy to try to predict it is embarrassed. He had to repent. Thank God that he did supposedly repent. He stuck a lot of bad doctrine, by the way. But at least he repented of that. What else are you going to do? I mean, you know, try to wiggle your way out of it. But you can't put a day or an hour when the Lord's coming back. Because he says in the Bible that no man knows the day or the hour. So we can't know that. But what about this idea of times and seasons? Jesus said this, to the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. And he was talking to them about discerning the signs of the skies. 
He says, you say that when the sky is red at night, there's going to be fair weather. Red sky at night, sailors delight. You've heard that, right? That's biblical. And then when you see a red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. There's going to be rough weather ahead. Those guys knew that. He says, you can discern that, but you can't discern the stuff right in front of your face. He called them hypocrites. They couldn't see Jesus right in front of them. That's what's going to happen to the world. And they were a religious bunch of people. But what about this idea of us being able to discern the times? Well, when we look around at the world and see what's going on, like the days when I went to school, the biggest problem was gum chewing in class. Now people are bringing guns and shooting everyone in class. And it's not just something that happens every now and then. This is what the Bible says, and it mentions here in this passage about the birth pangs, or in verse 3 it talks about when they say peace and destruction, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now think about the labor pains for a minute. Well, some of you have experienced them. But think about how they happen. You know, they start off, you're like, oh, you know, I've never had one, but you're not going to, you know, it starts off, right? And they, they start timing them because they're, you know, a ways apart, right? And you know that then they start coming closer and closer and closer, you know, together. That's showing you something. This baby's coming, you better get to the hospital, you know, whatever, however that works. But the idea is they get closer and closer. And do they, ladies, do they get worse and worse? Is that what happens too? Okay. I see a lot of heads going like this. Amen. <laughs> so that's what we're experiencing. That's what we're in the midst of right now. This weirdness is happening all around us. Evil is waxing worse and worse. The Bible also declares that there's coming a time. There is a time right now. We're living in a time where evil will be perceived as good and good will be perceived as evil. We're living there. We can expect more and more of this. We can expect more cataclysmic things to happen. Earthquakes, tsunamis, you know, plagues, pestilences around the world. And then the manner of man become more and more wicked, more and more evil. It's happening amongst us. These are signs. He uses the idea of the birth pains or the pregnant woman and the labor pains. That's what's happening to us. And the word to the Christian this morning is, are you sober? Are you sober-minded? Well, not just not drinking alcohol. That's not what it's speaking to right here specifically. But I would think that should, fall, that should be a no-brainer in our case. I guarantee you, you will never get drunk if you don't drink alcohol. I can guarantee you that right now. You'll never get drunk on alcohol if you don't drink. And it's interesting the way that the whole thing works about being sober. You can't help, you know, to explain being sober, I've got to think about drunkenness. I, I don't know about you, but I, that's what I have to think about, even though it's being clear-minded. And by God's grace, maybe some of you have never experienced that. Praise the Lord. But we can't all say that. But what happens when you get in that state of drunkenness? And it's different, I guess, for everyone. But the, the first thing that starts happening, apparently your motor skills are, are slowed down. And the thing about it is you don't even realize it. Some people start getting a little happy when it starts happening. You get a little buzz going. It's like it's a good thing, right? You, you know, but the idea, it's never a good thing. You, when you're, you're getting out of really who you are, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't be controlled by anything else but by the Spirit of God. But anyway, you start, it's a little by little thing. You start just kind of losing your motor skills, and you're a little slow. And, you know, they, they tested this. They've done this. It's little by little. Ground is being taken. 
your mind is being overtaken with something. Again, it's different for everybody who, how much it takes for some person to get that way or whatever. But the idea to me, when I'm thinking about being sober and putting it against being drunk, is the way that it happens. A little at a time. Little by little. And then you just find yourself one day that you're a drunkard. I mean, I don't think drunkards probably necessarily, not many of them, started out to be that way. It just started little by little. And it's the same way in what he's talking about here. He's talking about, you could say, spiritually. Remaining sober. Being clear-minded. Be careful what you introduce into your heart and mind. When it comes to alcohol, let's say, when you introduce it into your body, it has an effect. Now, when you introduce things into your mind and heart, it has an effect. The media is powerful. True story. And it scared the daylights out of me even then. I wasn't walking with the Lord then. I was probably 18 years old. And I was hanging out with them. not a good crowd of people, but they were my friends. All right? And one day I came over to the apartment where these guys were living. I lived with my parents, but they lived there. And we go over there and hang out and party and everything like that. And one day... Uh, we were just watching television. And on the television, they had a, there was a robbery going on on the television, as I recall. It's been a lot of, long time ago. And then, it wasn't long after that, that these guys disappeared, my friends. And there were some people left in the apartment, and they left. And then, all of a sudden, I heard this, you know, the way that the police used to be, the old days, you know, back in the 70s. And somebody in the apartment told me that they had went and robbed someplace armed robbery. The guys that were watching TV, who watched the robbery on TV. Now, I don't know if they had this whole thing planned. It was a coincidence that the robbery came on TV. or I don't know how it all worked, but I do know this, that advertising works. It's proven, or why would they spend billions of dollars on it if it didn't work? I'm telling you that when you put stuff into your mind and heart, it affects you. Now, that thing that we saw that I was explaining to you, that was probably an extreme example about it, but I'm going to tell you something, the robbery that is, but media does affect us. Just like reading the Bible will affect you, you know, it will affect you in a positive way. There are other things in the world, other things that come into your heart and mind will affect you in a negative way, guaranteed. But we need to be able to discern the times and the seasons. To be sober for the purpose of being sober. God tells us these things. He tells us just enough the stuff that we need to hear so that we won't go to sleep spiritually. Because he doesn't want the rapture. In other words, when it's time to be caught up, he doesn't want you caught up in the world. We're looking to be caught up by Jesus, not be caught up in the world. Verse 3 says, back to 1 Thessalonians 5, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. The theys. Who are they? Well, look what it says in the next verse. It'll give us a hint. But you, there's the contrast. They and you. Who's he writing to? The Christians in Thessalonica. The theys are those that are non-believers. He says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So get what he's saying in verse 4. Yeah, he's going to come as a thief in the night, but it's not going to be a thief in the night to those who are in Christ, to those who are following Jesus to those who are in communion with Christ. It's not going to be like that. That's why some of you, are some of you sitting there? I don't want to show hands. But to some of you sitting there, I don't believe a word he's saying. He's crazy. He's thinking these things in the world are happening, and I can't believe that. Well, I would say to you, you need to check out where you're at right now. This is reality. We're living in reality. 
And some would say, no, the world's always been more this wicked. It's just being reported better now. They're true. It's true. We are getting better reporting now. We're getting it quicker and everything else. We can care. On our phones, we can read the news. Yes, I agree with all that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you lived any amount of time, things have changed in the last 40 years, folks. Right? Does anybody used to not go to bed without locking their homes at night? I did. We didn't even have a lock on our door. It didn't even function. Nobody even thought to get it fixed. That same home that I'm describing to you right now that I grew up in, probably 10 years ago, a man was murdered on the front, or at least shot, I should say. I don't know if he died or not. On the front porch of that door that we didn't unlock. My family still lived in that house. They've moved since then. You can imagine why. Times change. People change. The world's changing. They're getting more and more wicked. That's what God said was going to happen. But you, brethren, verse 4, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Verse 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. I'm going to tell you something. The church is sleeping. This message about the day of the Lord and the wrath that's going to be poured out wouldn't be spoken about in a lot of pulpits. Because it's, well, come on, people aren't going to come back next week. Give them something uplifting. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about you, but if you're a Christian, that should be uplifting because you're going to escape the wrath to come, right? That should be uplifting. And by the way, it gives us something to do with our lives, to tell others about what's about to happen so that they can escape too. It gives you a purpose in life, a high calling in life, to be in the know about what's going to happen. Yeah, but you maybe you don't feel a warm fuzzy. I'm going to tell you, this is truth. God is a God of love. God is going to judge evil. He says it. He's done it once before at the flood, and he's going to do it again in the day of the Lord. It's going to happen. It's just a question of when. He says, let us not sleep, but let us watch and be sober. Be sober, spiritually sober. Are you sober? Or how, how are you on the scale? If you were to blow into the meter, where would you be right now? What would you blow in the meter? You know I'm talking about this meter that they do for the alcohol when they, when they pull you over. How would you do right now if you were to walk the line? Would you be kind of like this or tipsy? Or where are you at? Are you just a little buzzed as a Christian? You know what I mean? Spiritually? Or are you out now? You're just like, oh, you're just, you know, where are you at? God cares about this. He's left us in the world his church, to manifest God's love, to show the people that the Bible is true and that there is a salvation. That's the reason we're here. Lest we could have gotten saved and the moment we got saved, we were out of here. He took us out. That would make perfect sense. Take us out of the world, Daddy. It's terrible down here. No, you're going to be in the world, but you're not going to be of the world. They need to know about my love. That's why you're here. You have a high calling on your life, Christian. You're manifesting the light. God entrusted you with this. And he's given you all that you need to fulfill the mission that he's called you on. Verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now here he's going to show us, okay, 
I want to be sober. I'm there. I sign up. Show me how. What can I do? I know what I shouldn't be doing. What should I do instead? Well, put off the ways of the world. Put off getting drunk. And put on, he says, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Faith. Believing. What you believe will dictate how you live. Believing in God, yes. Believing in the word of God. Having faith in what God has said. Living your life by the Bible. That's a witness to the world. Not many people are doing that. Have you visited churches even in different towns? Not many people even bring their Bibles to church. By and large in the church nowadays, let alone go through them, teach through the Bible. You're different. Carry your Bible with you wherever you go. Put on, he says, faith. Faith in God or believing God for what he said. Taking him at his word and love. Yeah, the love of God. See, we're not just becoming smarter sinners in the Bible as we go through the Bible. Hopefully we're learning who God is. We're coming into contact with him. That's the mission of this church is to bring people in contact, have a personal relationship with the living God. That's the purpose. Because when that happens in anybody's life, it changes them and will affect the world. That's what happened. Your life. If you've influenced anybody else in that regard, it's because you have a changed life. The love of God that they see in you. So it says, put on the breastplate, faith and love. And then he says, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. The world has no hope. Do you understand that? There's no hope. This idea of, you know, some people hope in just getting wealthy, okay? I want to live the American dream to the extreme, and I want to just get wealthy, and I can buy everything I want, and, you know, whatever else, freeze my remains when I die. Whatever you would think with, that you could buy with money. But they're finding out that that's going away quickly. The wealth thing's going away. Even that facade's being uh, shown for what it is. But the world needs hope. There is no hope. But he says, your hope, people are looking for hope, and he says, the helmet, the hope of salvation. See, through this all, whatever in the world I believe is going to get a lot more weird than it is now. The Bible says that. But we have this hope of salvation. In other words, escaping the judgment that is to come. And he's got to judge the wickedness so we can get on to the rest of the stuff that's going to happen. The righteous rule on earth for a thousand years. And after that, the eternal state where there's no more sin. You know, the people that want to hold on to this existence, no, don't send the Lord to judge. You just don't understand what God has planned for us in the future. It's going to be totally different. Righteousness will all be that way. There'll be no more sin. The curse will be lifted. We're going to get back to the way that it was originally in the garden, that fellowship with God. And because God wants that all to happen for us, these other things have to come to pass. So don't question God about why he does something. Just let him do what he does, and you understand what he's doing so that you can do what you've been called to do. And then I love that it says in verse 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath. Who's the us? Every human being that's ever lived? No. Now the atonement was to whosoever will, believe in Jesus, but he's talking now about the believers. They are not appointed to wrath. That's why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Because the wrath of God is going to be poured out in the world in the day of the Lord, the seven-year tribulation period. We believe that the first, maybe first three and a half, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, there may be peace and safety. It says there's going to be a time when he's going to stand in the, in the temple that's going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. 
and he's going to tell the Jews, you need to worship me. And then their eyes are going to be open. That's the abomination of desolation. They're going to realize that they've been duped. I don't want to say all hell's going to break loose. It's all heaven's going to break loose is really what's going to happen. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on the world. And it's going to be like nothing that's ever happened to the world before. There's going to be a time when people wish they could die, but they won't be able to. Death is going to be taken away for a time. And they'll be in mangled bodies, but they won't be able to die. It says that men will be so afraid of the wrath of the Lamb that they'll be trying to hide under rocks and mountains because of the wrath of the Lamb. Those days are ahead. But God didn't appoint us to those days. He says, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's open to everyone, to whosoever will. John 3.16 talks about that. Not just a select group. You must receive Jesus. You, he's died for everyone's sin, but you must appropriate that into your own life by receiving Christ as your Savior. Verse 10. He says, Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Let me tell you something. There's really no life, true life, apart from Christ. That's my testimony. I thought I had a life. If you would ask me, I thought it was a pretty good life. Kind of did what I wanted. You know, I simplified it. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. But that wasn't life. I didn't even necessarily realize it until I got out of that. And now I look back at it. And I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Right? What was I thinking? There's no really true life apart from Christ. So if you're here this morning and you, you think your life is okay or whatever, you're not a Christian, you don't have a clue. When you come to Christ, that's really when life begins, true life, the abundant life Bible talks about. Verse 11, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So in a sense, he's telling them, Hey, guys, you're doing okay. But he's telling them, hey, be sober. This is no time to be spiritually drunk now. This is no time to be caught up in the world. And that's what he's saying to us today. And so the question that we have to end is there's two questions, one for the believer and one for the non-believer. To the non-believer, I say, are you saved? Number two, if you're a Christian here today, I mean a born-again Christian. I don't just mean in name only. Most Americans think they're Christians, but they don't have a changed life. They've never had any, from the time they received Christ, there's been no change in their life. I'm talking about a born-again believer. If you're a born-again believer, are you sober? It's time for God to search our hearts and to put on faith and love. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. These verses about being ready and the rapture were taken from chapter 5 of the book Pastor Bill is currently teaching through, 1 Thessalonians. You've been listening to Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey. If today's teaching has ministered to you and you'd like to tell a friend about this message, or if you'd like to listen to it again, it's archived on our website. That address is anchoredintheword.com. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. 
If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience and fellowship with other believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Pastor Bill also shares in-depth Bible studies every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. For more information, including driving directions, visit anchoredintheword.com. And then follow the link to the Calvary Chapel Coastlands Church website. We hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening today. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. As Pastor Bill will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's our heart's desire that you would be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word. 